0: The emergence of electrification, autonomy and mobility is rapidly changing the landscape of the automotive industry. That's why a tier one supplier like ZF needs to evolve to keep up with the competition. That's coming up next on AutoLine This Week. And now, here's your host, John McElroy.
1: I want to thank you all for joining us on AutoLine this week. Coming to you from the CES show in Las Vegas, which you know is all about technology, but guess what? There is so much automotive technology at this show, and we're going to be talking about that today because my guests include Anya Denari. She is the Senior Vice President of Advanced Driver Assist Systems at the supplier company ZF. We also have Mamtha Chamarthy. She's the Chief Digital Officer at ZF, and Lindsey Brook, my friend and colleague from SAE Engineering, and great to have all three of you here on the show. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. Okay, so I'm going to throw this out to Mamtha and Anya, ZF at CES, I mean, you guys are a transmission company, you cut gears and that sort of thing, (laughs) what are you doing at CES? We
0: are so much more than a transmission company, so ZF has a very broad portfolio, if you think across the traditional pieces of the business. More the mechanical based systems like transmission, steering, braking, but also on the autonomous driving and e mobility space. Um, in fact, our four areas of focus for the future are really around vehicle motion control, integrated safety, autonomous driving, and e-mobility. And so that's really the core of what we are investing in in the future. In fact, just in autonomous driving and e-mobility, we're investing 12 billion euros. 12 billion? Over 12 billion euros on autonomous driving and e-mobility over the next five years. So
1: this is a staggeringly big number. This would Huge. be a big number for one of the giant car companies, for a supplier company to invest that kind of money. I, I mean, it's unprecedented.
0: It, it is, and it's really, you know, it, it shows the, the fact of the huge growth that we see in this industry. I think, as we are all aware, there is massive transition going on in this industry as we move from more of the mechanical components into the autonomous driving world, as we move from traditional privately owned vehicles into more fleets and rideshare and mobility as a service. So I think CES is really the center of where all of that is happening, and it's certainly really great to be here.
2: So, John, I have seen both the OEM side being with Chrysler, Daimler Chrysler and Daimler, and now with the supplier, and the automotive industry is going through such a huge disruption. And it's no joke when we talk about the disruption. You know, when we talk about autonomous connected electric car and shared or personalized mobility, each one in itself is a huge disruption. But what's happening today, as you can see around in CES, is the convergence of these trends that is causing a tsunami. And this tsunami is not what we are typically used to in Detroit. I am, though I'm from India, I'm a Detroit implant. So I'm very proud to say I'm from Michigan. And we in the Michigan and in the automotive industry in general, we have focused so much for the past hundred plus years on continuously improving our operations excellence, continuously improving our product. But now it is getting into this new area of software and electronics. Electronics, at least, we have a couple of decades behind us. But software, that's where the high-tech industry knows how to do that better. And they know that data is where the new treasure is the new treasure trove. And as a supplier, we bring that 100 years of experience and partner with the tech companies like Nvidia, like Google, like Apple. I think when we have these kind of partnerships, that's where the actual value and the user experience can be harvested.
3: But you're starting out as one of the world's biggest suppliers, tier one suppliers. And one of the raps against tier ones today, unlike a lot of other companies, hundreds of companies here at CES in Las Vegas is, they move fast, yeah. you know, they're agile, they're, they're flexible, and they move fast. One of the raps against traditional tier ones is you move slow, because the industries move slow, just as you said, so how does ZF uh, gain that flexibility and that agility, and also kind of continue to do what it does?
0: So I would say, you know, first and foremost, safety is at the heart of everything we do. So we as ZF will never do anything that in any way jeopardizes safety. So I want to to make sure everyone is clear on that. Having said that, yes, absolutely, we are seeing new players in the industry. We are seeing software based things that have much shorter life cycles. We're seeing new customers come into the industry that have faster requirements. And so we have modified some of our development processes in places where it makes sense. So using agile methodologies, for example, um, which have much shorter iterative cycles that are more software-based rather than hardware-based. Um, we have also implemented a, a group in our organization, a separate legal entity called Zukunft Ventures, where we are able to do things in more of a fail-fast approach. Zunkauf? Zukunft? Venture. Zukunft Ventures. So, Zukunft is the German word for future. Ah. So, Zukunft Ventures, it's a, a sort of a venture capital arm that's uh, focused on future technologies. And we're able to kind of incubate new technologies, new partnerships there. We're able to do it in a much more nimble way they're not subject to maybe all of the same group directives and corporate requirements that part of a much larger organization is. Um, and they are able to work with lots and lots of other partners. So for example, we have 40% investment stakes in several other companies in the industry. Companies like Ibeo on the LiDAR side, Aztecs on the polarimetric radar side. And by incubating those partnerships within Zucum Ventures, we're also able to do things in a much more agile way. And you can
3: learn from those partners too. Absolutely. Tell me how Absolutely. you learn from some of those partners.
0: So a lot of it is around the methodologies and approaches and understanding that maybe there isn't a um, hundred deliverables at every single stage gate in every step of the process. Mm-hmm. A lot of it is around just kind of the agile mindset and some of the cultural transformation that is required to have that, uh, that more nimble mindset, that fail fast approach, that ability to take take risk. You know, a more traditional tier one customer, because it was so capital intensive and hardware based, right. was very reluctant to take risk. In more of a software based and more agile based, we're able to take more of those risks and have that kind of uh, agile mindset, and so these are definitely things we're learning from some of those Interesting. Partners. And as
3: John said earlier, I'm still trying to wrap my head around ZF and the Internet of Things. You know, <laughs> it's incongruent in a way, but it's it's fascinating.
2: I think everything, every mechanical thing is going to become intelligent. Yeah, yeah. And I think that is at the core of our transformation. In addition to what Anya said, we are also democratizing innovation in our company. So earlier, innovation was only done in R&D. And so now we are trying to balance that speed that you mm-hmm. talked about. We still continue to do R&D innovation, R&D based innovation. Now <laughs> we have empowered all of our 147,000 employees to innovate.
1: How do you do that, Mopsa? Because uh, you just don't go out and say, okay, everybody innovate now. Yeah. How do you actually implement a process that will right. make that happen? I think- And, and well, a mindset, right? Yeah. And a mindset, yeah. special. And this is the
2: second year that we have been doing this. What we do is similar to startup pitch events that companies do, where they invite startups to do pitch events. We invite our employees to pitch their ideas for new businesses. So this is
1: almost like Shark Tank inside of
2: this. It is an internal Shark Tank. Last year, we invested in four ideas. 16 employees groups had ideas, out of which four ideas were invested, two tremendously successful. Tremendously successful, where OEMs are interested in those products. And this year we had 570 ideas from employees.
0: Yeah. Out of
2: which we are investing in 48 ideas. Wow. So we are truly talking about democratizing innovation
0: to increase the speed. Of transformation, and, and we're also finding that that's incredibly motivational for the employees, right? So we're saying innovation is not just within engineering; it can be within business processes, it can yeah. be within manufacturing, right. it can be anywhere across the across the organization. And we're just finding the uh, the employee engagement is really ramping up from the ability to you know, be accountable for their own future, be accountable for an invention and innovation that really can change the company. So, I mean, I think it's really making it an even better place to work than ZF already was. Exactly, exactly.
3: So this morning in a conversation with some startup companies, tech companies, they argued that tier one suppliers might be dead. Could you answer that? (laughs) I don't believe that. There still needs to be vehicle integration. There still needs to be, I mean, they're basically selling to you. You deal with the OEM. But, I mean, we've seen a lot of things change in this industry. What's your thought on that?
0: So, obviously, there are certain elements that are, of course, going to be there for a long time. There's always going to be, you know, some form of braking requirement. There's going to be a a lot of those same mechanical components, although, of course, they're going to become intelligent mechanical components. But more broadly, there's always going to be the need for people to supply to the, the... end customer whether that end customer is a traditional oem or a fleet operator or a municipality or a city or whoever that is and it requires of course to be a successful tier one to to drive forward through some of these changes that we've talked about becoming more software based becoming more agile and becoming more nimble having faster cycles but as long as the tier ones are able to manage through that transition which i think we are you know, really certainly yes. focusing on and delivering there is absolutely going to be a need for tier 1 you know it, it's, it's never status quo but the world is never status quo everything right. is always changing yeah, so yeah. as long as you change with it I mean we are certainly convinced of the long term future of ZF and that we can be a really successful player
2: in this space? I think we cannot be complacent that we had a hundred years of success, so we are guaranteed of another hundred years of success. We cannot be complacent. Right. Yes, the startups have offered us a challenge that they are very fast and nimble in the software areas, but the car at the end of the day is going to be a mechanical device mm-hmm. to go from point A to point B, so the mechanical strength that most of the tier 1 suppliers bring to the table is important yeah. and continues to be important and a lot of people think that they that in the mechanical area we have reached in a stage of saturation i think for even the software to continuously get updated in the mechanical component even that has to evolve mm. to a modular architecture yeah. right to to receive these updates so i think if someone says that the tier ones with the mechanical, it's no longer a mechanical engineering world, I don't think it's so. I think it's more and more integrated.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. D- different different capabilities, more of a systems capability requirement, right. more of an ecosystem-based right. approach, but clearly there is a role for tier ones in the long term.
2: But it's a partnership
1: it at the end of yeah. at the day. So let's talk a little bit about this show, CES. Have you had a chance to look around? Have you seen anything that's caught your eye?
0: So I would say one of the one of the big things I've noticed is, of course, autonomous driving is still a huge buzz here at CES, as it has been for several years now. I think what we're seeing a lot more of this year is uh, kind of the, the shared mobility and mobility as a service offerings, which I think is interesting. You know, we see in the fully autonomous space that one of the barriers to entry is just the cost to develop a full system, considering the processing power that's required, considering, considering all of the sensors that are required. And so one of the big trends I think we're seeing clearly at this show is that mobility as a service is becoming going to become a bigger trend. So rather than private ownership of vehicles in the fully autonomous space, uh, we probably will start to see more and more of shared mobility services. So we, of course, are announcing our ego partnership with our first customer, TransDev. I think we've seen several of our other players in the space um, uh, announcing um, uh, mobility as a service. So you also. go back a step.
1: You've actually developed one of these we little have. sort of shuttle buses yes, that's autonomous. Have. Yes,
0: we have. So we have a, one of our joint ventures that's within our Zucon Ventures uh, group that I was talking about earlier. We have a joint venture with a company called Ego Move, based out of Aachen in Germany. And uh, we today actually announced our first customer for the Ego Move, which is a six to nine person uh, passenger vehicle. Uh, It will be uh, on the road next year, so coming up very soon. Uh, We'll have the full sensor suite, the full compute power. We'll start off in more of a geo-fenced area and not on public roads, because of course regulation still needs to catch up and allow for a vehicle without a steering wheel to be on a public road. Um, but yes, we were very happy to announce our first customer is TransDev, um, a global company, fleet operator, uh, based out of France, and um, and so yeah, it's exciting times. That's very exciting. It's moved very quickly since we started the Ego joint venture less than two years ago to now having something in production.
3: And you must see that. a lot of opportunity in geo operations for shuttle vans for yes. delivery these kind of
0: things exactly. did you expect that to be kind of the first round of level 4 level 5 uh, operation we, we do we do so we have you know we think about segregating the space into the ADAS part of the world yep. which is uh, more level 1 level 2 up to level 2 plus um, that, of course, is going to grow tremendously. I think we expect to see, certainly within North America and Europe, we'll have 100% fitment of the Level 1, Level 2 functionality by 2022. Um, and so that piece of, the, of the, the market is growing enormously. But for the Level 4, Level 5 space, because of the cost associated with the sensor set as well as the processing power, we really do see that mobility as a service, last mile delivery um, being kind of where we're going to start to see that that place move. It also gets you around the regulatory requirements because you can do that in um, smaller uh, privately owned places, whether that's a university, yeah, retirement community, airports, those kinds of places. Yeah.
3: Too bad the ZF brand can't be on those vehicles. Usually it's the OEM. Who knows? You know.
0: Yeah. So well, so if not planning on becoming an OEM, we should yeah. make that clear. That that is not in our future. Um, but so Ego Move is essentially uh, the, the, the 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 supplier to Transdev or other customers. So so yeah, we're not looking to have the ZF logo on okay. there since we're not going to be a tier one. Uh, at, anyway, have
1: yeah. you seen anything here, any trends, or are you so, on the lookout for anything? The
2: last couple of years, we have been talking about multimodal transportation with autonomous people mover, vertical liftoff vehicles. But it's so interesting that when you walk around, you now see drones that can really carry people and carry packages. And Bell actually is demonstrating their vehicle that vertical lift-off vehicle for me that is, this, is, is this a
1: passenger a, vehicle it's a
0: passenger mm-hmm. vehicle
1: so here comes yet another wave of disruption exactly exactly to
0: like the regulatory requirements with us yeah <laughs> yeah
1: but it's unbelievable like till last
2: year I saw presentations with animated vertical lift-off vehicles but today to see it in a demonstration is just unbelievable
3: I've got to add this because that was part of ZF's heritage was Zeppelin gearboxes. That's, yeah. where,
0: that's where that starts. Could FF we charges? be seeing
3: ZF get into vertical transportation
0: again? So, so <laughs> obviously, there's a lot we could invest in, and we are investing in a lot, yeah. uh, but they're, they're, we still have to prioritise where we're investing. So, for the near term, that's not part of our scope. We do, we should point out, though, not just have pass car and commercial vehicle. We do have off-road applications. Um, we're focused right now more on things like agriculture, mining, rail, Autonomous, shipping. right? Autonomous. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah. So if we, we think about uh, our markets, it's, it's passenger car, commercial vehicle, and the industrial off-road spaces. Uh, for now, that does not include uh, air, <laughs> but, it, but it does include boats, it includes shipping, it includes rail, it includes, as we said, mining, agriculture, windmills. and various other. Windmills. Yeah. Windmills, that's right. So various other yeah. off-road applications, too. Excellent.
3: Multimodal, that's really
1: the future, yeah. isn't yeah,
2: it? Yeah, the multimodal is the future, yeah
1: have you been on the lookout for something here in particular and I ask that because usually when I talk to automotive executives who come to CES they're on the lookout for startups or some sort of technology is there anything specifically that you're on the lookout for so at
2: 1 o'clock there is a Planet M which is Michigan based uh, venture uh, forum so I'll be attending the pitch event uh, where many Michigan based startups would be there So I would be interested in more around startups around data. Mm. So with uh, the VDA in Germany, uh, starting a project called Project Nevada, which allows for data sharing between OEMs and Tier 1 suppliers. Now we are looking into more and more who is going to be the Tier 1 of uh, uh, providing this data and data governance.
1: And how about you, Anya? anything that you're on the lookout for? you have a checklist?
0: Of course, of course. And there's a lot of it here. I think it's really interesting, you know, how much CES has grown, and it's not just with the OEMs and the Tier 1s, but there's tons of startups showing here today. From my perspective, I'm always interested in new sensor providers. I think over the course of the last three or four years, we've just seen, for example, the LiDAR space explode. So, you know, probably three or four years ago, maybe Quanergy and Velodyne were the only LiDAR suppliers here at CES. Today, there's, there's many, many more. So between processing, between um, software stocks, between sensing technologies, there's you know tons of really interesting stuff to look at. There is, but
1: how do you get through it all? Not just from trying to evaluate yeah, yeah. who's good, who's not. They're probably all pretty good, but you know, most of them are going yeah. to fail. How yeah. do you avoid investing in one that might not make it?
0: So, we, we should also point out we do have um, some startups and uh, cooperations out of our Silicon Valley office. And so, we have a group there who are really deep into understanding all of the new startup companies, whether they're in you know, cyber security, whether they're in over the air updates, whether they're in any of these. Uh, sensor or processing or software stack spaces. So we, we do a lot of scouting, we do a lot of talking to people, but I think part of this whole agile transformation that we talked about is placing multiple bets. So not placing one big bet in one place, but instead having lots and lots of partnerships, and some of which will um, succeed, but many more of which will fail. And so that's really our approach. I think experiment, to with, experiment with a number.
2: I mean, when you experiment, we experiment with almost tens of startups, tens and hundreds of startups. But what gets to incubation and scale maybe only a few. But if we don't place those hundreds of bets up front, we would not, really not know which one would make it and which one won't. And it is also a lot of investment from our end because the startups don't have the automotive knowledge. And how committed are we to make that startup relationships successful? They have an idea, they have a concept, they have a technology, but we have the domain knowledge to make that idea successful.
0: I I think that's an important point. When we talked earlier about some of the new players coming into the space, one of the things that they seem to struggle a lot with is industrialization, functional safety, things that are really core to the automotive business. They don't have
3: the rigor that your company has had for a hundred years, right? And
0: So I think that's when we say we invest in all these companies, some of that is financial investment as any other venture capital company could do, but a lot of that is around expertise and really helping people. What does it mean to be ACLD? What does functional safety mean within the automotive space? And So that's an area where I think we can really add a lot of value to, to the startups that we do work with.
3: Doesn't this make a challenge for product planning because the, the incoming yes. technologies are changing so quickly, how do you ever freeze any development ideas?
0: It's, it's a totally different approach. So I actually, when I joined uh, the, the uh, what was TRW at the time, my role was to lead product planning, huh. and we had very rigorous analytic processes. And as we've gone through the evolution, um, we've really had to say, you know, we have to we have to be experimenting while we're analyzing. Right. You can't you can't do analysis first and then yeah. execute. We have to do the two in Run the
3: critical path.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so really it's been part of this mindset shift is in order to do things quickly, we have to experiment at the same time as we're analyzing. We have to place bets. We have to expect that a lot of those things will fail. Mm-hmm. We learn from those failures. We pivot mm-hmm. um, and we reapply those learnings and then into, into the next stage. So I think that's the key. But when things are not working out, quickly uh,
2: stopping those activities is also important because uh. That, that is where most companies find it difficult. You it, you have your pet project or a pet startup and you want to continue to invest in it and to somehow see, to make it successful. But at some point in time, you need to realize this is not going to work. Yeah. So having that agility to continue or to
1: kill mm-hmm. is is really important. Well, you know, wow. in the old days, they used to tell the engineers, put the pen down. <laughs> we <We've> gotta go <laughs> make it. I guess today it's like, let go of the mouse. Right, right. But, yeah. You know. Lindsay brings up a great point, momtha and I'd love to get your input on it. In digital, I mean, talk about, you can do all kinds of things so fast, it's its so much easier to, I mean, as opposed to having to hard tool something and mass manufacture it. The, the clock speed in your end of the business has gotta be super fast. Yes,
2: yes, it is, it is. And in the way we look at digital is in three tranches. One is safeguarding our core business. What is it that we need to do from a digital perspective to safeguard our current position as ZF? It is mostly bottom line impact and safeguarding the revenue. So if there is an adaptive safety requirement for our product, how do we enable that digitally? And the next uh, tranche is enriching our products. So adding a predictive maintenance kind of a capability. So it's still you have your electromechanical product and now you're adding a digital feature to understand the condition of the component and predictively maintaining. So as the macro trend moves from personal ownership to fleet ownership, now we are getting more and more into fleet management as a service for passenger cars and commercial vehicles, and for windmills, as well as agricultural equipment. And the third tranche is where we have introduced new products like car e-wallet. A wallet embedded inside the car, which can make all of the financial transactions on your behalf. And in an autonomous car, it can go park itself and pay for the parking. It can go, if it's an electric car, it can charge itself and pay for the charging. So imagine a situation, you and your partner go to a restaurant, you don't want to go along with an autonomous car to park it and come back. So the whole purpose is defeated. So with the Cari wallet embedded in it, it can make all of the transactions for you. So I think in the expand, it's a pure software play. And that's where the clock speed is really, really fast. And the competition also creeps up really fast. (laughs) So if you don't move quickly, then, you know, uh, the opportunity is lost. In the second one, which is more enriched, since it's tied to our products, clock speed is slightly lower than the expand. And in the safeguard, it's more in line with our traditional product cycle.
1: Very interesting. So real quick, we're down to the very end here. When will we see... Autonomous cars that individuals can buy.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you will start to see them at the I would say within the next decade. The question is will you be able to afford them? Uh-huh. So for fully autonomous vehicles in all conditions, call it ten years, but not necessarily affordable.
1: Okay, Mamtha, your
2: answer? I would agree with Anya, I think in the next decade, but can you afford to
1: afford an autonomous vehicle? Lindsay, your thoughts? 2029. 20, I think go. it's going to happen <laughs> faster, and I think we're going to be able to afford it. Well, look, we're going to have to wrap this up. Anya, Bantha, Lindsay, thanks so much. Very interesting discussion. Thank you very much. I think much we for could go it. on longer, but unfortunately, talk about clock speed. We've just run out of it. <laughs>
2: Thank you. Thank you.
1: Thank you.